Well, hello. Once again, you have found a Texas Steampunk Connection. Broadcasting to you throughout the multiverse, Steamverse, from our various bunkers and airships. With me, as always, is Fax, Gentleman Adventurer. Hello, hello. <laughs> with me is Jack from Steam Chest. Hello. <laughs> and we have with us today, Master Blue Stocking from <laughs> Steampunk Dollhouse Podcast. So once again, we are here to talk... Oh, probably about steampunk, most likely. That's what this is about. Thank you for listening to the Texas Steampunk Connection. All right. Good evening, everyone. Hello. Uh, we have already been joined by our friends Mick, Kristen, uh, Kitty, and uh, Rita. And uh, thank you. Thank you. We are looking forward to another great show tonight. Um, let's see. What's happened this last two weeks? <laughs> Uh, I, I did recover from my from my COVID. Yay. Uh, my good lady wife then got it. And oh, no. as of today, she's recovered from it too. Uh, so uh, we got the uh, lightest, friendliest version of COVID, which is awfully nice. <laughs> if you're going to get it. The uh, something something five version, I think, which is yeah. around now. Yeah. We're, we're, we're just, it's now to the point where it's so disseminated that there's no like direct cool chain names anymore. <laughs> just wasn't worth it. Uh, it's such a sub-variant of a sub-variant of a sub-variant that's changing too quickly. It's not a main variant. It's not the Castilian variant yet or something. But now a much more dangerous thing is in the air. What we call Ragweed. Yeah. Oh, I was thinking. I was thinking pox, but yeah, ragweed's pretty bad. Oh yeah, the, the monkey pox is. And the poison ivy is no good either. So yeah. I'm yeah. kind of. You're supposed to stop snorting that, Dax. That's not good for you. I know. Legalize. <laughs> uh, make, make better life choices. So <laughs> <laughs> oh, Nicole. Uh, hey. Yeah. Uh, yeah, monkey pox. I don't think that is down here in Texas in any large quantity yet, but my mother called me and asked me about it and was worried about, you know, using toilets behind somebody else who might have had it. And I said, no, mom, no, it's it's nothing like that. You're, you're just fine. No, uh, but a couple of kids uh, have shown up with it, and so now we're going to end up with another satanic panic where any queer people who work around children and the children get it, we're going to end up with... It's, yeah, it's already starting. That isn't how it works well okay okay, but how often do the facts matter right (laughs) you remember the satanic panic welcome to texas (laughs) play d and d (laughs) and 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 the uh the aids pandemic yeah yeah exactly uh, to the point yeah uh people were afraid of being in near proximity to anyone uh gay because they didn't know if they had it and that's not even how it worked and uh so uh, hey, since they're talking about it, let's just be clear. You can only get monkeypox from intimate contact, which isn't necessarily having sex with that person. It's fluid exchange. But it's pretty much having sex with that person. You can still shake hands with people with monkeypox and not get it. Uh, in normal day-to-day interaction, you are not going to get it. Relax. We have, but we do have research uh, research facilities on this side of Bastrop that use monkeys. I don't think that's what you... You can't get it that way either. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> We're not spreading this information about health issues. <laughs> no. Just don't pet monkeys right now. It's okay. Just just stay just right out. No monkeys jumping on beds. I do not want us to get flagged for medical disinformation, please. 
don't trust anything I say. <laughs> oh, we don't. Pretty much, this is pretty much the, the episode not to ever trust anything I say. This is, of, of the episodes, I have very little to, for input here on what's going on other than, hmm, this is very interesting. But, oh, another interesting hap- thing happened uh, this two weeks ago, just after the last show came out. Do you remember, or, or do you remember hearing about uh, the Lo-Fi Girl YouTube channel? Oh, yeah. I don't know what that is. Okay, Blue Stocking does not. It's vaguely familiar, but channel it live streams lo-fi so, hip hop study background was, music that you it can. It was one order. of the first channels. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm gonna shut up. What? No. I, I, I was I, my 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 brain was at war to like not cut you off. And what happens when you put three people with ADHD together? <laughs> No, it, that's more or less on, on point. Uh, it's streamed <laughs> continuously for the last two years with yep. just sort of chill, lo-fi background music to study to or chill to. And there's this picture of this sort of anime girl at her desk with her cat looking out the window and just sort of loose. Okay, I yeah, that I... Okay. Okay, let's back up, by the way. The story is... Um, YouTube took that channel down because of a bunch of uh, DMCA takedown orders claiming that someone else owned the rights to said music and that, uh, you know, you know, the story, oldest story ever told on YouTube. Uh, they were taken down because of DMCA claims and uh, they were all bogus, uh, false claims, and uh, it all resolved. YouTube brought her back up after some conversation but the fact that any old fool can come over and claim music uh from your youtube channel and cause you distress and headaches and and crap um i bring up the story because we were also taken down like not not the whole show but our opening sequence you just heard uh like within an hour of us completing this the 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 program last two weeks ago it was bizarre. I, I thought this had to be some sort of, and this is by Facebook, not YouTube, but this had to be some sort of automatic computer generated thing because no one would act that quickly, I would think. And no one's so you're right. <laughs> what happens is, is that when you go live on these things, there's an algorithm comparing all the audio to an entire library of other audio, which sounds a lot more like insane than it honestly is because certain pat, you know, pattern recognition is really easy for algorithms. And so someone at some point, some company or some rogue company who claiming to be a company uh, basically went through zapsplat.com's library, downloaded all their music, uploaded it saying, uh, basically giving it to Facebook saying, here is our library. That's mine. If anyone That's violates mine. this That's money. Yeah. And then when you actually like fight it, you're like, oh, you know what? We don't actually own it. And but in that period of time, if someone like a few hundred thousand people watch that video, watch that show, and it's violated like that, a lot of that money just gets dumped immediately over to no questions asked. And then same thing with YouTube. And so people like me, as a YouTube creator that has who really doesn't care, I don't make any money. But if you have, if you if you get too many hits using that kind of stuff, you can be completely removed from Facebook from YouTube. so like use like tiny slices. Like my, my coolest one was I used like the entire scene from Die Hard in a cut 
uh, where they're robbing the bank in the Nakatomi Plaza, and it opens up and it has Ode to Joy playing, and all the criminals are like having the blast. Uh-oh. Well, I overlaid game footage on top of it and had the music cut every now and then so it wasn't perfect. Mm-hmm. It was like two and a half minutes, and I got flagged by Fox, which I'm like, oh god, I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm just done. And they're like, you know, this is not owned by you. And I'm like, yeah, but this is this is obviously, you know, like I have all this stuff going on. It's cut. It's overlaid. It's I'm not showing the movie. I'm being funny about it. Thirty days later, I won. I won my first uh, legal battle with Fox. So <laughs> nice. Wow. Yeah. Well, that's also <laughs> that's why I decided I was going to use snippets from audiobook the audiobook snippets for the books I'm going to be using in my dissertation. But that's why I decided what. Oh, I'm so sorry. I forgot to do that. You still have. They're just now checking it, so you're good to go. But yeah, that's why I decided to use voiceover people to read the quotes instead so that we can kind of get around that because that's I don't have time yeah. to mess with that, not with my dissertation. But Thax, Thax did a wonderful job. I cannot wait for y'all to hear it. And also my friend Selena just turned in hers. Also excellent. So yeah, I'm getting y'all are doing a great job. Just three more to roll. Teacher, can, I, can I turn in my can I can I get mine turned in for full credit still? <laughs> <laughs> All assignments will be due like July 31st. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I need you to resend me that quote because I got to like stream so far up the phone now. <laughs> okay, I'll resend it to you. <laughs> Happy ending to the story is I contested the the challenge. I wrote a little note to Facebook. It's like, here's where I got the music. It is free as long as I mention their website. There is the page on their website saying you should do it. Here is the part of the show where I did it. You know, what do you want from me? And they, they put it back up within 24 hours, which is oh, that's fast. faster than I expected to hear. Yeah, Any, it's a lot faster. Yeah, YouTube's like three days, and you just don't care. Is it possible for someone to submit a report just like an individual? Like, say, someone didn't like you? Oh, yeah. Personal level? So some p- individuals can submit. I'm actually putting in one on us right now. just wondering if there's somebody out there who doesn't like us and maybe decided to you know oh, we know that we know yeah. that person we know i that. i didn't know i'm just saying. i i don't think we i don't think we have anybody who doesn't like us who would no, i think we're i think we're so the golden well. children everyone loves us there's nothing wrong with any of us we are perfect we are destined to be the best steampunk podcast on the internet we just need to get the word out everyone I mean, we're one of the only ones left so there's not many. <laughs> we we have stood the test of time. We have defeated everyone. By can be only one. <laughs> it's no one at the top. You guys drinking Aww. anything tonight? I see a Corona. Yep. And uh, oh my lord, some <laughs> cheap champagne. Are you is that what that is? So yeah, it's champagne. It's Monty. It's great stuff. You can just like drink yeah. a bottle. So, Five bucks. For like an yeah. entire bottle or something, it's fantastic. And I have, I have something new. There was a sale at the grocery, and I've got peanut butter and jelly squeeze. What? Have you had that before? No. Um, Another peanut butter by Prairie beer. Artisan Ales out of Oklahoma, and it is purple and cloudy and very berry. It's a sour beer with uh, raspberries, blackberries, something that's. I don't get a lot of peanut butter, which is good because I don't think I would like that anyway. But it's a <laughs> it's a fruity berry beer, so that's cool. I can recommend if if you like sours. I feel it, like you've had peanut butter and jelly beer before. We have had 
we have I, I have had a peanut butter beer before and I thought it was weird. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a sale. Sale <laughs> beer is the best beer. <laughs> it was low risk, you know? Oh look, Megan Higgins says everyone likes us. Aw. <laughs> Thanks, Megan. We're great. Thanks, Megan. Wait, Denver I don't have my button. Campbell my says, I can't make that pop up on the screen. I was going to make that pop up on the screen. But, <laughs> yeah. There we go. <laughs> We're so professional. This is a professional operation here. Oh, yeah. professional. We, we even pay for our for our, our programs. So, Deborah K. Campbell just posts Victorian manners? Question mark? <laughs> Which we're getting to. All right. Let's, let's get Ooh. into it. Uh, Where's our manners? There was a a suggestion last episode at the end of the episode that uh, we could be discussing the uh, sexual mores of Victorian England. Um, it was bootstocking suggestion, so I hope she knows something about it. <laughs> okay, so keep in mind, my I'm a librarian. My specialty is libraries and libraries and fiction. So I just, like I said, I took enough, I took a, it's stuff that I studied in my undergrad because my folk were English and history. So I covered the Gilded Age. I was, I, you know, I do she a lot. did of, not enjoy it at all. I loved it, actually. <laughs> that four semesters, it was the long 19th century, the same professor, Professor Travis. He, Dr. T was amazing. And he would, all, at the beginning of every class, he would go around to everybody and ask, you know, the, in, like on the first day of class, ask who they were, what they were doing there. And, and I, you know, introduced myself and I said, this is the third time I've taken you. And he said, oh, Good Lord, don't you know there's other classes? <laughs> and he was amazing. He was Good so Lord, I still haven't turned you off yet? Yeah. Well, when I took him, the second time I took him, I had, my hair had been really long and I had cut it over the mm. summer. And so when he got to me that time, he was like, you, you look familiar. Why do you look different? I said, because I cut off like 13 inches of hair. He said, looks good. Next person. Streamline this situation. I know you already. He was an extra bump of Coke today. Let's go. He was like 75 years old and he was a few years. Yeah. He wrote one of my, he he was one of the ones that wrote my recommendation for library. One of my recommendations for library school. He was excellent. He was, yeah. I learned a lot of things that I didn't know and a lot of things that made me cry. So good class. (laughs) class <laughs> well i hope we get the first list here tonight maybe a little I mean, the second um where to start that, that's well that's what we were talking about earlier it's such a heavily layered subject because the opinion and you and i actually were talking about this talking about that this week that that the overriding opinion that everybody has is that victorians were highly sexually repressed it's not really the case it was just, like I said, layers and layers of meaning and strata and what women were, ex- not just women, women who had, women in the nobility. And we've got to remember that nobility doesn't necessarily mean kings and counts and dukes. Ladies, lords, minor nobility, you know, anyone from that strata where who you married was vitally important. It was nice if you liked the person you were marrying. It was great if you loved them. Didn't really matter depending on who had the money and who could raise whose social standing. So I think that's where a lot of the opinions about repressed Victorian women comes from, because they were likely marrying men that they not actively hated, but probably didn't know very well, were probably older than them. And their job was to keep the house and have the babies, which is where the cults of motherhood comes from. And that was oh, that was in Victorian England, and that was in Gilded Age America, too, where it was the Madonna whore complex. You know, it was... You were pure. 
you had to have the babies, but outside of that, you were that. And actually, um, there was a poem that was written about it in uh, 1854, and it was expanded on through 1862 called The Angel in the House, which extolled the, you know, the virtues. Let me see if I can copy the, it extolled the virtues of the women. See, I can't, it makes me log in to leave comments. So hang on, I'm going to drop it into the message and when y'all can post it. Um, so women were expected to do everything. They were, you know, support their household. They kept everything running. They had the heir and the spare and, you know, a daughter maybe that could be, could bring an advantageous marriage. But I don't know. Where do we want? <laughs> like I said, I don't really know where to jump in and go from here. It's kind of. Well, okay. Well, uh, let's uh, start. I hit, I hit a few documentaries and a few uh, um, uh, presentations. So I'm certainly not as well studied as you. But uh, it's fresh in my mind. Um, and uh, we can start with uh, Queen Victoria herself and uh, how she um, was uh, a very young when she came to the throne. And the first thing they thought of was, we need to get her married off. And uh, they found some, there wasn't a lot of, of good choices. <laughs> <laughs> but apparently the choice was right. She yeah, they, they found some little backwaters German uh, uh, aristocrats, someone in the proper uh, class, social. Well, yeah, but also low enough that he wouldn't get the, you know, he wouldn't have the back, not the backbone, but he wouldn't try to take over and become yeah. king. That's also the, yeah. Right. And uh, they wheeled him out to meet her. I mean, everything was pretty, honestly, th this is what we're trying to make happen. And um, she took one look at, at Albert when he came in and said, oh, yeah, that's the guy. Oh, he's cute as a button. Let's get it on. <laughs> I mean, basically, yeah, she. And, and really, it was it was a it was a fairy tale story for them that they they truly, truly fell in love with each other, despite the Victorian rules of etiquette and and. Uh, the social mores of the is it right to say the gentry? I know that was a regency word. Um, I think. Ah. I, like I said, this is I know some things. This is not the area that I specifically studied, so I know a few things. But I mean, that's easy enough to find out. But uh, yeah, yeah they, people of good social standing. Oh, they're the people below the nobility in position and birth. Okay, so we're definitely talking about the nobility here, but the rules would apply. In those both of those strata, but they 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 loved each other, and uh, they loved to uh, love to love each other, <laughs> um, which which is great. I mean, that's as as human beings, that's that's what we we all hope for, and not often find, especially in Victorian uh, noble rules. But uh, yeah, so they like to do it, and they had a lot of babies as a result. Um, and so the populace, the, England loved her because she was extolling all the principles that uh, they believed to be in the highest regard. And now everybody else, uh, nobility, gentry, that are following those same rules are frustrated because it's, it's not working out so well most of the time that uh, the, this fairy tale relationship is yeah. a fairy tale for most people. Yeah, it's and, not realistic for people who are not in that weight class and there's no divorce um there's no there's no uh birth control for some for, for people of that of that weight class as you say um 
there were condoms, but those were for sailors. You know, that's that's not something you bring to the queen. Uh, so, I mean, there were methods, but none of them were, you know, obviously reliable until modern science got involved. And like I said, things that are still practiced now, like the rhythm method doesn't necessarily work, but there were some ways, but that's also, I think, like I said, some of the stuff that I was reading, that that's where the ideas of, you know, the, the, the separate chambers comes from that she, you know, the, the wives will do what they're, what's expected of them. And then that's it. And, but like I said, I, and Rita, yeah, you're right. It was love matches were not as common, um, but yes. Love marriages were not as common. <laughs> you take my meaning. <laughs> love in marriage was not as common. It was, and you know, sometimes it did develop. It, it could develop over time. There are stories where that happened. You know, it, it wasn't completely unheard of that they would find a measure of happiness or a balance with what they were doing, but for women, and actually for women of most classes, marriage was what you needed to be safe. And this is what Jane Austen wrote about. <laughs> you needed marriage to be safe and secure because especially if you were minor nobility, um, working outside the home wasn't really a thing for you. You know, if, if you were a woman who had an education you, and you couldn't get married or you didn't want to get married, positions like governess were available you know, an educated woman could find a position as a governess in a good home and be there until the children didn't need her anymore, which could be, you know, 10, 15 years, just depending on how long they needed it until the boys got sent off to, you know, a private school and the girls probably, you know, they were educated in the, the feminine arts, but also education for women wasn't entirely unheard of. It did absolutely happen. It happened in a lot of places and it was getting better, but it was such a, there was so much going on in this period because women's suffrage was becoming an issue and inheritance laws were becoming an issue because women could lose out on property. If there were no men in their meet, if there were no brothers to keep the property, then, you know, it could be gone. That was the whole, I mean, Downton Abbey's later, it's a Edwardian era, but that was, you know, the whole thing behind Downton Abbey. They had to find someone that would keep it in the family because they had all girl. So it's, and actually um, that's also, that shows a good example of the, the, the wealthy daughters, American daughters who were married to the penniless British men with titles. And I can't remember the name of the book, but there was, was a, an entire register of titled eligible bachelors that was available. I cannot remember the name of the book now. Maybe somebody that's listening can remember. It was like a, it was like an almanac of available men with titles that you could look at and see who was looking for a wife. Because that was, I mean, and if you think about it, for Gilded Age, you know, for for robber barons to get their daughters married off to men with titles like that, it was a legitimacy. It legitimized what they did, and it gave those men money that they needed. So, since we're uh, talking about the the precarious position of of uh, gentried women uh, with no husbands, I think it's an interesting side note that uh, in America. Uh, not in the upper classes, but in the lowest of classes, women were finding they could make and keep their fortunes, and they didn't need a man. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, yeah. It's a very, very wealthy, uh, um, successful women of the night uh, coming out of California during the gold rush. You know, they'd get up on stage and do their show, and people would throw gold nuggets at them, and suddenly they were... They, they they had wealth and power in within the 
small circle yeah. of of their their influence within and their able circle. to yeah. build towns effectively on on the wealth that they were able to acquire. But it, it was it's, it's just a fascinating contrast. Yeah, but it was also a very precarious position because it was it was built on the foundation of sex work is is illegal, immoral, however they viewed it, and who do you have to pay off? to keep your place going and who is frequenting your establishment that is going to help you ensure mm -hmm. that you are going to stay in business because you know the right person starts frequenting frequenting that place and you know obviously you can't take you know didn't have pictures you didn't have recordings but you still had some proof that could keep you where you were but if you made the you know if a woman running one of those establishments made the wrong step that was if you're lucky you could get your stuff thrown in a wagon <laughs> <laughs> get out of town but and one thing and actually that also i'm not sh i can't i don't know I'm not sure about the laws here in america but i know for british women if the, even if they independently did have money once they got married that was it it wasn't theirs anymore they had right. property it was gone right you and know any work you did in within the bounds of marriage that went to your straight husband straight to him yep. Yep. straight yep. to him and once you know if you know god willing you had at least one son because once your husband's gone that's who's going to take care of you, you know, in your, as you get older, you know, you need the, the family to take care of you because God forbid they do it on their own. And there were plenty of independent women who were able to, and I think also part of it is there may have been a certain level where you hit a certain level of nobility that it didn't matter because um, Ann Lister, she's in, she's the character that Gentleman Jack is based on. She was a very real person in the mid 1800s, and she was gay in a time when, if you were gay, if you were gay, if you were a woman and you were queer, you didn't tell anybody. You kept it to yourself. But she just lived her life. She lived her life. She wore what she wanted to wear. She, you know, flirted. She seduced, and then she fell in love. Well, there's some question over that, but she decided she wanted a wife, and she found one. And they got married. It's supposed. It's it's considered the first lesbian wedding when she married Ann Walker. Where was this? Um, this was in. Because I've watched the show enough, I can't remember the name of the town now. Um, was it America her, or? No, or? this is in Britain. Her, like I said, her, wow. The, woman, the woman's name is Ann Lister. If you haven't watched Gentleman Jack, highly yeah. recommend. There was a whole song that was written about her after she died. Um, and the character that plays her is, or the, the actress that plays her is excellent. But it's a true story and. The reason Ann Lister is so fascinating is because her diaries were written in code <laughs> so she could encode because she was not shy about writing diary entries about her conquests. She wrote, but you had took, to know the code. You had to know the code. So the thing was not everything was in code. So when she, after she died and a male family member found like 27 journals, he hid them in the wall of the house. And they were eventually found, and it took years to decode those things. And that's when they started getting all of this information about being a queer woman in England in the mid-19th century. It's amazing what you can find within the walls of Victorian <laughs> homes. British people in England find things everywhere. They found a king under a parking lot. It just, it's just... <laughs> People are digging in their backyard and they're finding Roman coins and skulls and you know. I saw a picture of a rock at the at the lake at the river the other day, pulled it out of the water, and it fits straight in my hand perfectly. And it's a it's a it's like a, a shaving tool. I know, an Indian thing or Native American thing. 
It's funny, shaving was what I was going to bring up. (laughs) Are Um, we going to go into that? I I saw a picture of of a uh, Victorian bathroom with the little uh, straight safety razors that uh, were just coming around Mm -hmm. at that time. And there was just a slot to to, uh, dispose of them. And it just went into the wall. We had those here. I had. I lived in a house that had one of those one time. Yeah. And it has. So yeah. there's, there's just yeah, huge safety razors from a hundred years on, full in that wall. Yeah, it's a huge hazard for people who are remodeling really old homes. If you see that thing that's there, and luckily that's still there, so you know what to expect. But sometimes those are covered up, and then you rip out the wall and just. That can be a tetanus. <laughs> razors <laughs> all the way down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Chat right now, huh? <laughs> so bad. It's like, see, oh. Rita has safety razor slots in her bathroom. It's old houses; they are there. I had, I had never seen that before, yeah, and it still boggled my mind. Yeah, just yeah. shove crap in the wall. Who cares? Because someone on Reddit, I remember there was a whole Reddit thread about it. Because someone had asked, "What is this thing that's in this house that I got?" And, so, and all these people were like, and they started showing pictures of the wall of walls ripped out with just. <laughs> just piles just waiting for someone to get te- tetanus or you oh. know, type i don't know it's bad oh. yeah so like i said they generally now going on the age of the home they they will be careful when ripping out bathroom walls because it is very likely that that was in there yeah nuts that it yeah and that's that's a like i said that's a safety hazard that i think as far as i know requires very specific cleanup protocols because how the hell do you throw that away? i mean how do you wrap that up enough that someone is not going to hurt themselves? You know, you just take it to the to the dump and hope for the best. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, you know what? Never mind. This is Texas, where because I have a sharps container for all the injections I have to take, and I've been told that when I'm done with it, I seal it up with duct tape, write sharps on it, and just toss it in the trash. I mean, <laughs> I was like, really? That just but yeah, that's what I do. I just make sure you can't get past the duct tape and put it in the in the garbage, which freaks me out. Read it says Kevlar gloves in a glass jar. Basically, yeah. She's practicing witchcraft. <laughs> I know what that's going what that is right there. She's making a bulletproof golem. <laughs> <laughs> um Yeah, there's yeah, weird stuff. We've just discovered a very rare bit of audio from former Prime Minister Winston Churchill. Let's have a listen. I, Winston Churchill, wholeheartedly believe that the Clockwork Cabaret is the finest example of steampunk radio programming. Never before have I heard anything quite so marvelous, and I doubt I shall ever hear anything like it again. Calpurnia, continue on your journey, broadcasting your marvelous music and sail on to glory. If you would like to find out more about this program, Please check out clockworkcabaret.com or clockworkcabaret.podbean.com or follow us on Twitter at clockworkcabaret. That's C-L-O-C-K-W-R-K cabaret. So one of the things I found, I found interesting, um, although not, not new information, but the uh, Victorians were under the impression that women did not, could not enjoy sex. That That's not really a thing. Uh and uh, men, in most in most cases of the nobility or, or the gentry, it, are likely have, to have never seen a naked woman before their marriage. I, I Even during their marriage. Hmm? Even during your marriage. Yeah, sometimes during. Close. Well, I, I did hear a story of a of uh, uh, a man who who married a woman, and 
after their wedding, they, you know, came to the wedding bed and she took off her clothes and he looked and said, what the hell? I can't do that. Oh, no. <laughs> that, that was it. No, where did you read that? No. Uh, I'll, I'll find the documentary. <laughs> so sad. <laughs> like, nope. <laughs> no, no. I mean, and like I said, that's that comes from this revisited idea of women as pure beings of creation. Like they're all, you know, the Virgin Mary and these children, you know, came from somewhere, but we're not going to talk about that. And obviously, I mean, the, for one thing, we need to just veer into one thing real quick. If you don't, if you really want to believe that the Victorians were sexually repressed, consider the sheer amount of Victorian pornography <laughs> that is still in it. when cameras were invented. They got busy quick with the cameras. I mean, it's... You know who was into Victorian pornography? Most of the Victorians. In Victoria. Well, Victoria and, part- and Albert were super like into erotic art. And uh, she had paintings done of herself that, of the time. Not like nudes, but like naked shoulders and her hair undone over her shoulder. And, Sexy. You know, and, today yeah. that's like... Okay, that's a picture. But you know, that was that was tawdry. And yeah. that was something that they kept in their private quarters in their private life, but they they liked having, you know, erotic art uh, erotic, you know, of yeah. the period around. They liked to see it. They liked to do it. The one thing she didn't like about it is having to have babies with it. Blah. I um, mean, especially when, you know, you're just you're having so many. It's but like I said, uh, the rumor is that at least one of them was a werewolf and one of them was Jack the Ripper. So, you know. Wait, what? Of her babies. Wait, I think we lost Jack. No. Oh, no, there he is. You were not moving. I thought you were frozen. <laughs> oh, he, he's still he's still in shock that wow. he's a, he's a uh, lesbian uh, cross-dresser named Gentleman Jack. <laughs> I'm telling you, watch the show. It is amazing. Anyway, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, there's there's stories that there's some, and everybody's gonna go. That was in a Doctor Who episode. <laughs> Actually, the werewolf stories came. That's why the Doctor Who episodes started. The werewolf stories existed before that, but also I can't. It was one of her sons that was not well, <clears throat> that had mental health issues and possibly syphilis. And so the, 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 there was some suggestion that one of her sons, the Ripper. But I mean, any you know, they don't literally at this point. You could name anyone that was in any man that, or anyone that was in London at that time, because you know, odds are. So yeah, that was one of the stories. But part of the, her reputation, I mean, besides colonizing the entire world, part of where her is her reputation comes from is because after he died, she went into black and she never came out of mourning. Forty years oh, in mourning, yeah. and so she seemed to people who maybe didn't know about the relationship before and only knew her, you know, after he had died. Because, like I said, she reigned for another forty years, so she wore black all the time. She mourned him deeply, but she seemed buttoned up and, you know, no sense of humor. You know, very because you know she's queen and she's sad and mourning her lost love. So. That's where some of the impression about her comes from, you know, and there's a lot of things that can be said about her that aren't great, but she did seem to love her husband, really, really did love him. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, and, you know, after, after you have such a such a, a relationship that you expect to last for for the rest of your life and it's suddenly cut short, that's uh, something you don't easily get up from. 
No, you know, especially for a political marriage to have that depth of feeling. It's that is it's fascinating. And, you know, it's most regular marriages don't have that. So, I mean, it, obviously things are different now, but back then, you know, you could find that. And I'm sure that was a love story for a lot of a lot of you know, young girls back then. Oh, you know, the queen found her, her love. And now in time, she did find the company. That's I'm not trying to say this in a winky, winky, naughty, naughty way, but she found pleasant company in another man. Yeah. Uh, a, a Scotsman named John Brown. There's a movie about it and it's really her, good. Her personal attendant. He was gruff and unbathed and smelly. He was and Scottish. <laughs> cliche Scotsman um, but I'm sure like no one wanted to be around but she found him apparently adorable Uh, you know he was funny he made jokes and you know ripped farts and whatever it is (laughs) Scotsman did and um, she apparently found that to be uh, a breath of fresh air (laughs) yeah there's a movie about that with Billy Connolly uh, and Judy Dench Oh, yeah. that, that is good. Yeah. I think it's called Mrs. Brown, maybe? Um, oh, dear. But hmm. Maybe not. I, I, I think I've seen wrong. this movie. I can't remember the name of it, but like I said, it's it's Judy Dench and Billy Conley, and it's it's excellent. So it's been a long time since I've seen it. But, yeah, it was a Victorian era. was weird. And one of the things that I looked up that I had forgotten about until I was thinking about things to pull up for this was the um, – the Victorian language of the flowers that also got really popular in that area in that era, you know, sending secret missives. And there was also um, not just the flowers, but fans that, and I'm not sure how old that is. Though. I think that's also Victorian. The different things that your fan means when you're waving it, if it's in front of your face or, you know, what you're doing with it. So yeah, there was all sorts of weird little, secret flirtatious things that they would engage in that was, you know, hi- I'm sure heightened all of the the tension. We went into uh, uh, flower language some years ago on this show now, uh, but you could just as easily tell someone a very uh, rude and, and you could snub them very easily with your choice of flowers. <laughs> that was funny. Big on symbolism back then. Um, Rita, as far as I know, twice, but I think there may have been more. Um, but I know she's portrayed Victoria at least twice, I think. Uh, yeah, yeah. Rita asks, how many times has Judy Dench portrayed Queen Victoria? Yeah. So. Sorry, I forget to read it out. Yeah, it's been a couple of times. Um, another thing I found interesting I hadn't heard before was that the idea of manliness or manhood um, was... To to repress yourself, to also not pursue sexual engagements, and uh, instead to uh, go uh, sports. Sports became much more popular. Um, so, like physical activity, and you know, just getting your en- energies out in some other kind of way that wasn't, you know, something a little more um, productive to society, maybe. <laughs> And also, it was uh, it, it was considered very manly to grow a beard, the fuller, bigger very beard, virile. yeah, uh, to show your vir- virility while you're out doing sports and not hitting on women because that would be weak and and uncouth. So I thought that was 
that was interesting. I had not heard that. Before. You had any uh, insight on that? Um, what I'm what it immediately puts me in mind of is the Marcus of Queensbury rules for boxing. Back when they used to just stand there and hit each other instead of actually <laughs> moving around, they're just you know punch each other, just punch each other in the face, you know. Which I mean, you know, British warfare was also everybody line up and shoot each other, and then the other side will <laughs> shoot each other in a line, and you know, it'll all be very gentlemanly as we kill each other. So, but yeah, that's. Jumping out of the way. What are you, a coward? Hide behind a tree. What? That's some, that's some. Gentlemen's rules of engagement. I mean, you know. I remember if it was British fighting. A, uh, I remember hearing about a style of German uh, dueling with this big, like, you know, claymore sort of saber. And each of, each of the gentlemen would, like, stand next to each other, like, I don't know, back to back or something. And they would just wave their swords around their heads, trying to whack the other guy in the face. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, back to back they're doing this? Like, I'm not really sure where they stood, but it was like, you know, touching each other at the shoulder, that kind of close. And you're just trying to beat the other guy while he beats you oh my with a bladed implement. That's terrible. And uh, Unsurprising, it, but terrible. It's a show of manliness to have great big facial scars. I was like, oh, that sounds kind of like this boxing thing, yeah. That's why I got hit in the head a couple times last year. <laughs> Working on my manliness. I wonder how many people lost bits of their ears. My God. You don't need two ears. <laughs> That's not manly. I'll just lose an eye. And Rax, it looks sexy. No, no, sir, get back. You get back, sir. Sorry. I'm being invaded by a large orange Ask, cat. What Victorian manners for counting, counting? I don't know if she means courting, would be good for us in the atomic age, in your opinion? Well, I think if, a, lot of, a lot of our manners sort of harken back to. Victorian and, and earlier periods that really hasn't changed a whole lot. Um, I beg to differ. I think setting a table is an exceedingly important thing back in the Victorian era mm -hmm. and my mother's house. That is, other than that, it's plastic forks and paper plates for me now. But <laughs> hey, it's important for me when I have people over. I, if you've ever read any Edith Wharton, you will understand how important that table setting was in that Oh no, my mother. My mother. Period. Oh. Yeah. But it's courting. Yeah, with courting. Particularly. Mm -hmm. yeah, um, courting part. I uh, I watched a little video today that I thought had some good advice uh, among a number of things. Uh, as a woman, never accept a gift from a man uh, because a gift would lead to another gift and to another gift and suddenly you find that the man has developed feelings for you that you did not intend. Um, and I was like, okay, well, how does that, how would that apply to today? And I, I was thinking about, you know, being in a bar. Someone buying you drinks in a bar. And the drink guy. It's like, nope. yeah, don't, don't bother getting a drink from a guy. He'll never leave you alone. Uh, which is kind of what they were saying, right? <laughs> I mean, it, it's the idea that anything that you do implies a level of obligation in response to what has been proffered to you. You know, mm. if you whether you're going on a walkabout with someone or, you know, for some, it might've been, you know, walking to church with someone or sharing, you know, a pew together, or <clears throat> there's a level of societal obligation and what you, and the navigating that I can't even imagine. I, I can't even imagine dating now. And I've only been off the more, I've only been with Matt for 13 years. I can't imagine what it was like trying to navigate that back then. Yeah. Yeah. It, if you were to just, you know, walking with someone, uh, in the street or sitting in the same pew, 
rumors would start spreading that you were engaged to be married. Or you just get improper. Yeah. They they weren't speaking in the street. Um, I don't know that that's applicable today. That seems a bit uh, over the top. (laughs) I mean, that's hard for me to... It's a good question, but it's also, like you said, you know, as far as gifts go, not accepting gifts. But the, the... expectations were so different back then and what you could and couldn't do was so different. You know, you couldn't go and just meet somebody in a bar for a drink, you know, you and meeting someone new was, especially if you were upper class, it was a lot different. You met people because you were introduced to them by other people in your social class, you know, unless I feel like that happens today. I, I don't go to bars and simply walk up and introduce myself to people. I find that (laughs) super scary. I know other people are much more adept at it, but uh, being at parties and being introduced to someone by a, a friend in common, that, that seems still it, much more comfortable uh, now than it would be, you know, the only way. But, uh, yeah, that, that, that seems easier. That, that guarantees that you have some things in common, groups of friends in common, possibly common interests, uh, which was sort of what you were looking for then too, right? To be introduced. Yeah. Yeah. They, they've sort of picked out, okay, I think this person would go well with this person. Let's introduce them. Matchmaking. Matchmaking was a big, big deal. But, you know, every once in a while, the, the only daughter fell in love with the stable hand. You know, I mean, things happened. But, and you know, not all of women, daughters weren't always on the, the auction block. But depending on how much money that family had, she might be. You know, it's just, it's not unheard of it's how it was for a very long time and in some places it still is it was not unheard of for although it was presumed a girl would be a virgin at her wedding that wasn't necessarily in fact the case (laughs) not all the time i'm sure i mean those those girls were did have a tendency to be watched like hawks though i mean young women had chaperones wherever you know generally like i said at a certain level if you're you know under if you're a merchant class or whatever and you were working that was one thing if you were a shop girl or whatever but at a certain level you didn't go anywhere outside of your parents view alone you had chaperones you had aunts who were taking you around you know you had your your friends you had the older unmarried or you know widowed friends who were experienced and would escort you around so being alone in the company of a man at a certain level of society didn't really happen well that's why it was so convenient to have that staple hand there (laughs) where you were just going out to take a ride on your horse for the day and, and he's there. I mean, <laughs> the sexy stable hand and his breeches and riding boots. <laughs> Rugged and unwashed. At that point, I just got to make sure you have ugly stable hands. <laughs> oh, no. If you have a daughter, have very yeah. ugly stable hands. Craggy, manly, rugged features. You know, considering the difficulty in finding a quiet time to meet a man, maybe the expectations aren't that high. <laughs> True. He thinks I'm pretty and we're alone. <laughs> they just need the... <laughs> uh, court, courting for today's day. You know what? I've really liked um, calling cards. I, I actually, yes. A bit. Uh, business cards are so boring. Victorian Trading Company makes Ooh. calling cards and they're so beautiful. Yeah. I had some when I was a teenager because that's how old that company goes back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When I was very romantic. Yeah. Calling cards are lovely tradition 
unfortunately, it's it's inappropriate for a woman to send calling cards to a man. It has to go the other way. But you know, we're we're talking about today's age. The heck with it, right? Oh, today's um, age is now COVID. You don't hand anybody anything. <laughs> Unless it's literally hand sanitizer with the cap open and you're already squeezing it. So, like, put your calling card on the sanitizer? No, no, no. It's got to be written in the goo as it's falling out. It's got to be the bubbles inside as it's landing in your hand. You got to take, and the other person can take a picture of it. QR codes. That's the new calling card, QR codes. Well, apparently, that's the new menu in every restaurant I've been to in the last two years. That bothers me. I don't like that. (laughs) Yeah, it's. And my phone never wants to write. Yeah, it's it's annoying. Letter writing is something that's gone completely out the window. I hate re- letter writing, but I think it's a really cool thing. Yes, I think it is beautiful. I think it is lovely. I have a friend that loves to handwrite letters. I I can't yeah, do I, it. I, I, not good either. Yeah. But also my handwriting, I don't feel is is very good. And you know, the Victorians on their on the TV. When they're writing their letters, it's so beautiful. It's because Keanu they Reeves in in, uh, in Dracula, Keanu Reeves had such glorious handwriting. <laughs> like, how could I miss? He was glorious that? all the way in that movie. I don't care what anybody says about him, even when what they messed up his movie. Yeah, but he still is glorious. He's just gotten better. No, I'm talking about people made fun of him in that movie, but I thought he was delightful, even when they kept messing up the way that his because his hair was whether like sometimes it was all gray, sometimes it was salt and pepper. It kind of went back and forth, but well, the powder kept falling out. <laughs> no, Honestly, I mean people it's, like it's, to make fun of Keanu Reeves. He drinks in the morning, just wet washing out the, the, the gray. Perfect. He is a yeah. perfect team. <laughs> I love him. But yeah, letter writing. I mean, it's very romantic and I would love to be able to do it, but the best I can manage is a skillfully worded text message. And Every even time that's kind of hard. Handwriting a letter. I mean, first off, it usually starts typing. And I know Fax has gained some of our, our handwritten letters from from Steam Chest every now and then. But I, I, every time I start actually like doing one, it always starts off with like that whole like Civil War reenactment. <laughs> Dear Martha. It, My dearest Lex. <laughs> <laughs> and before, I, like, it's just, it's just, I start funneling into like those Civil War reenactment moments on the History Channel where they uh, like show someone writing and then they have the narrator talk like the guy's talking. Yeah. <laughs> I'm afraid that we're going to catch dysentery and die. This might be my last letter. It's like everybody was doing on Twitter at the beginning of the pandemic. Everybody just kept doing their their Civil War reenactment yes. letters. As, yeah. Yeah, that caught yeah. on for, and then the sea shanty. Oh, when I was reading that, I'm like, finally, I'm like in vogue for like five minutes. Oh, Deborah suggests waltzing is a good thing. Uh, well, that would require people to learn how to dance. My grand, I can help with that. I can do My father step. loved the polka, and the polka is just waltzing very fast. Even John Candy could polka. <laughs> I know how to Texas two step and Cotton Eye Joe, and that's about it. So. <laughs> Lex teaches dancing. She teaches like what? Over how many forms of dancing? Twelve. Yeah, twelve. So all different types of like everything from two step to eighteen step. I would for people with eighteen steps. I wish in uh, steampunk events or uh, cons with a steampunk track, they had some sort of, you know, short introduction to some sort of dance class that they could slip in there. That would be fun. That sounds like something they'd have at Dragon Con on the alternate history track at so Dragon Con. Lex actually says that she would love to run a, a, con, uh, a, um, a panel for like teaching people to dance at a convention in their gear. I. I think that would be great. I don't know if it would be popular. If I think things are great, they're probably not popular. But, yeah. but 
that, well, that's, that's just what I've because, well, I mean, honestly, of the things to think about, 90% of the time, you're right. With our age group, anything we think is cool is no longer fun. <laughs> but the fact is, the thing we like to do is considered to be old already. What, so, steampunk? Yeah. I, yeah, I know. I mean, I steampunk is old. It was, it was an old thing that someone took and said, let's make this a new thing. Let's throw some goggles and gears on it. And now it's like bobbing in and out of Vogue all the time. So mm -hmm. it's, it's an old thing to begin with. So it all works. <laughs> it uh, all comes out in the wash. Yeah, all comes out in the wash. But uh, that actually would be really fun to do. And she's a really great teacher. And it's one of those things of she's, especially lately, she's had a bunch of, um, I know we're off on a tangent. We had a bunch of um, people who are getting married and they needed like a lot of classes really, really fast to have like their dance thing. And so there's like a whirlwind where I didn't see her in the evenings. And, um, at all for like three weeks because she had like dance classes every day and like multiple ones. She's like, she'd go to work for all day and then she had four hours of dance in the evening. And, um, but yeah, no, she's got, she has these little good like isms and patterns for teaching people really little quick couple steps so that it's, it makes anybody feel like they're good at it right off the bat and they look good. What about, I mean, I don't know what her schedule's like, obviously, but I mean, that Galveston convention's coming up in April and he's looking for people to, to do stuff there. So, Mm, send me some, send me a link or information or something. The Galveston, uh, I think it was shared. It was shared on Texas Steam. Oh, it's that guy. Morning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah. So yeah, that's that'll be an controversial. <laughs> manufactured controversy <laughs> mm. that we hey, will got waltz away from. To get into that, there's no news. Like We're that. just gonna waltz away from that. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I was actually thinking even like Steampunk November might be a good kind of figure out a way to do that even i mean we got we're still figuring out how we want to do that if we want to have a table or not ourselves because we still have a lot of steam chest stuff and um but uh i don't know we'll see so y'all are going to be out there for we're for sure going to be there okay. i just don't know what capacity we're going to be there okay i'm gonna it's, it's going to be yeah. fun or if it's going to be like we're also having work uh, Matt and I will be out but, there. My best friend wants to come and bring her seven-year-old daughter. So, oh, yeah, so yeah, it's gonna be. Guess who's supposed to be there? Voltaire. What's his name? Yeah, Voltaire. yeah. Since he was his, his when the whole thing was canceled when the pandemic. Yeah. yeah. It was so funny because we stay in the same hotel most of the time. So in the mornings when he's getting all dressed up to go out there, like we talked, we had like a forty-five minute conversation about Italian leather shoes. And over breakfast and hot, you know, on this like literally pancakes that are manufactured on a little conveyor belt. It's like this is the weirdest <laughs> conversation to have at such a, a place. But it's okay. We hey. slept at a Holiday Inn Express last night. He is so about his shoes. His oh, shoes man. probably cost more than my cell phone. And then, yeah, but damn. When I saw him at the Steampunk November, it was a very wet, muddy, oh, messy, yeah. disgusting weekend. <laughs> I'm like, oh no. Your shoes, your shoes. Yeah, I remember that because I was wearing my big, my big boots, and I was right. like caked. <laughs> All right, y'all, we are. We're up at the hour. Yeah, yes, we are. So, what part of this we're going to talk about next time? There's a lot here. <laughs> There's a whole lot of. I mean, like I said, it's a mini layered conversation, and we didn't get anywhere close to talking about any of it. But I like there was questions about you know what sort of courting. Uh, manners are worth keeping and applying to today. That that's interesting. We could go into, we could just go into that. Okay. Uh, so yeah, there's a lot of directions we could go with this. Uh, maybe we'll uh, take it on the road. <laughs> uh, 
and talk about more of it uh, in coming shows. But at the moment, I want to thank our patrons. Uh, we are brought to you in part with due to uh, FairTreasures.com. Fair Treasures has a selection of Texas-made female-presented costumes and accessories for Renaissance Fair and steampunk wear. It's also one-of-a-kind jewelry and alchemy jewelry imported from England. You can shop Fair Treasures at FairTreasures.com, spelled with E, F-A-I-R-E, Treasures.com, or on Etsy. Uh, we're also brought to you in part thanks to uh, Jenny and Ryan Shaver and Rita and Lawrence Allen. I know Rita has been uh, watching the show tonight. Thank you, Rita, Jenny, Ryan, Lawrence. Uh, you can find us if you're not on Facebook right now. We're on Facebook at Texas Steampunk Connection. Uh, oh, no. Email us at TexasSteampunkConnection at gmail.com. Uh, our podcast is TexasSteampunkConnection.podbean.com. We're on Twitter at GXSteamConnect1. And YouTube and Rumble through the Steam Chest subscription box. Our music brought to you from ZapSplat.com. Uh, so hopefully Facebook won't take it away from us. Again. Yeah, Facebook. We're watching you. <laughs> but this, this is, is going YouTube. to YouTube. Uh, I really enjoyed scratching the surface of uh, the sexual mores of Victorians. Um, and yeah, but we'll definitely need to get into this more in the future. Uh, do you guys have anything else to, to add tonight? Yeah, I'm good. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, also, like, I'm full of sarcasm. I could continue, but we should not. <laughs> Jack, you were particularly quiet tonight. Uh, I'm just fascinated. Do. I'm just like, oh, this is fun. <laughs> <laughs> Everything I have to say is not rated for this. Yeah, that's trying to figure out how to phrase things. Yeah, that's okay. Well, tune us, tune into us again in two weeks. Uh, until then, mind your gauges. Gauges. Gauges.